Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Kuru, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while learning about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, X Kuru, and today we'll be reviewing one of the books I found on Goodreads for Mystery and Chiller Week, which is currently ongoing, in case you were wondering. It's called Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty, and it centers around this tennis-loving family of six and how they deal with the fact that their mother is missing. It was pretty good, I guess. Uh, there were definitely some plot twists I didn't see coming, but there were also some plot twists that I was kind of hoping would come, but they didn't, and that was kind of disappointing. But there was re- there were some really good points in this book regardless. But before we talk any more about the book, let me tell you about our tea of the day. Today I chose ginseng tea, and as is common knowledge, ginseng is used most prominently in Chinese herbal medicine, so it has a plethora of benefits. Ginseng boosts your immune system, it's full of antioxidants that reduce inflammation, and it also helps give you that extra boost of energy to help fight off fatigue. So it's a very useful plant and a lot of vitamins to do with helping um, retain your memory or to help give you energy to study uh, on, uh, on the market. So definitely if you're looking for a vitamin to help you stay awake during those later study sessions, try something with ginseng. It helps. It's might just be a bit bitter. Okay, so now on to the book. The name of the book is Apples Never Fall, and you'll actually see the um, symbolism of that name in the book. So it starts off uh, with Joy and Stan Delaney. So they are the heads of the Delaney family, and they are pro tennis players. They've won championships, they haven't gone international, but they're good. They're damn good, everyone knows that. And they have four children, Amy, Logan, Troy, and Brooke with an E. And they're all wonderful at tennis. They made all their children very avid tennis players. All four of the Delaney kids got scholarships to American schools for their um, prowess with tennis. Only one of them accepted though. Anyway, so the book starts off with Joy and Stan Delaney and they're in their 60s. They're quite old now. They've raised four kids. Their kids are um, all adults. And it starts off where they're in their home and somebody knocks on their door and this stranger ends up coming in seeking refuge. This stranger's name is Savannah and Savannah uh, recounts her harrowing story of trying to of escaping um an abusive relationship she says that her boyfriend hit her and that's where the um start of this that's where the story starts so we have the stranger who ran into joy and stan's house and joy is thinking that it was one of her she was thinking initially it was one of her daughter's friends uh probably amy because amy uh, usually had a lot of friends that had that edgy look well, as Brooke hung with, um, hung with more professional people and women who were very straight-laced. So they allow her into her home initially thinking that they knew her and then she says that she didn't expect, Savannah says that she didn't, didn't expect to find help and then they realise, okay, this is a stranger in our home. And Savannah recounts that her boyfriend hit her and she escaped uh, just with the clothes on her back. She has no money, no phone, etc. And they allow her to stay night. And this is where our story starts. Now, it has a very complex interconnected web in the story that I, you wouldn't think would be so interconnected at first glance. So kudos to Moriarty for that. 
I was very pleasant to um, kind of play Sherlock Holmes and deduce all these connections. And the book goes into uh, different, all the different children's um, perspectives. We see and their lives, actually. So we see Amy, and Amy is the oldest daughter of Joy and Stan. Amy also suffers from a lot of mental illnesses like anxiety and depression. And she, um, because of her anxiety, she can't keep um, normal hours or normal jobs. She jumps from jobs to jobs that hold uh, maybe three to four hour shifts a couple times a week. So she doesn't feel confined. She goes to, she changes therapists, like she changes boyfriends. Um, so yeah, she struggles with mental illness. Then we have Logan, who is the eldest son. And he has inherited uh, a very um, serious case of indifference from his father. And we see how, because he is so passive to most things and he doesn't let a lot of things bother him, he's not very argumentative. We see how this um, indifference and this lack of um, moving from his position affects his relationship with his longtime girlfriend, Indira. Then we go off to Troy. Troy is the youngest son. He's the only one out of the three Delaney siblings that actually accepted his tennis scholarship to Stanford and he went away. And then when he came back, his mother says that she didn't recognize him. He seems like an entirely different person. Troy trades, um, so he's in the stock market and he feels at times very disconnected from his family because they don't really understand what he's saying most of the time. And to add to that, he always felt insecure and inferior to his brother Logan because Logan was, he, saw, he says that Logan was an amazing tennis player and he still can't understand why all of his siblings who turned on their scholarships when they see how successful he is, they don't under- he doesn't understand why they don't um, come up to him and say, you know, well, I wish I had taken my scholarship or whatever. He, ca- he just can't understand how they could be comfortable in the lives they're living, given that they could have been so much better. Last but not least, we have the baby of the family, Brooke. And Brooke has, not, um, started, uh, has started her own physiotherapy practice. And it's kind of struggling to stay afloat. Um, in addition to that, her long time, her husband of 10 years grand and her separated. And so Logan, Logan's relationship and Brooke's relationship kind of end around the same time. And they both haven't told their families as yet. And Brooke also suffers from serious migraines. It is the reason that she did not continue tennis back when she was a child. She got really good. She still got her scholarship, I wonder, but she stopped playing because of how serious the migraines were. If she had a migraine, she'd need like a day or two to recover from how severe it was. So we have these four different personalities. And then we have Joy and Stan. And tennis was their whole life. They were very, um, they, they were very hard on their children for it. But their children, even though they were so, their parents were so hard on them for tennis, they do enjoy it. But it's a love-hate relationship. And as you know, love and hate are two sides of the same coin. So while um, Brooke sometimes still plays with her dad, Logan hasn't played, as, hasn't played in years. 
while Troy would sometimes still play with some of his friends who went professional. Um, Amy doesn't play. So they both they all cope with it in different ways. Now that's a little bit about each of the children. So the stranger Savannah that Joy and Stan allowed into their homes, she ends up staying with them for quite some time. And at first the children aren't aware of this, but then Logan goes to his parents' home to help clean the guttering because his dad is getting on in age. He actually recently had um, a surgery for his knee, I believe, so they didn't really want his father climbing up on whatever his siblings and him. So he went to clean the guttering and when he went, he didn't see his parents at home, but he saw this strange woman and she came out to the porch and they had a conversation and he realized she was staying with his parents. But this was a complete stranger and at the same time his parents came home and that was how all his siblings got to know that well our parents allowed a stranger to stay with them and keep in mind at this stage they're realizing their parents are getting older so they're concerned obviously for their safety and joy ropes logan and troy who um, is flying in from america that same day to come in and help get Savannah's things from her apartment with her boyfriend. So, Troy isn't happy about having to go there. And Logan uh, teases him about that. He gets some amusement from watching Troy kind of, you know, be out of his comfort zone of luxury and money and that sort of thing. So they end up at Savannah's, um, boy- Savannah's boyfriend's apartment. They get her things and they leave. E- but they all are, Logan also notices that, and to a lesser extent, that the boy that she said hit her doesn't really look like much. She's an up-and-coming artist, and his, um, he was apologizing for something, so that was why they initially thought that he hit her. But later on, it's uh, revealed that he didn't hit her. He, they were actually in a, they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but he um, actually forgot about her birthday. So that was what he was apologizing for. So lovely bit of miscommunication there. And Savannah is continuing to stay with his um with his parents. Um, Joy is ecstatic to have a daughter who is as interested in shopping as as her daughters are disinterested heavily. Um, and then she also reveals that uh, Savannah cooks for herself and for Stan every day and it's a really nice um, feeling. And then in a moment of, uh, I would say, a bit of weakness, Joy reveals to Brooke how hard it was to always have to cook every day for their entire family because it was so big and they ate so much and she didn't have any help. And she was just, you know, saying she hated cooking and Brooke was surprised because her mom had never spoken out about um, how upset she was about that. So that was just a little crack in the perfect first aid and then it just goes on to show how different memories were remembered differently from each of the children and how Joy had to struggle, Joy and Stan struggled both individually and together to keep anything that wasn't all happy from their eyes and it really spoke to how families really are um, presently you know and I think in that respect it portrayed it pretty well. Now keep in mind this 
uh, again, I don't remember if I said this, but right. So they aren't. They, this is based in Australia, by the way. So all of the all of them are from Australia. And we con- they continue, and then they come presently. So the book flips between when Savannah stayed with um Logan and his family, the previous year, and now it flips to they all got a message from their mother stating that she was it it was a nonsensical message at the time it appeared so that she was going off the grid and she sent it to her four kids and when they tried to reach her again they couldn't so obviously they were worried and they messaged her father he said he didn't know where she was or whatever and then when they got some radio silence for a couple of days they realized well, we don't know where mom is, it's time to file a missing persons report. And that's the present day story, and it goes about showing how they tried to deduce what actually happened, while simultaneously also going back and showing how they worked out who Savannah was. So, instead, I won't spoil um, much more for you, and fast forwarding, they do eventually put a missing person's report out for their mother because they don't know where she is. Uh, her, their father is a prime suspect. They think that he um, murdered. They think that she murdered her. It ends up with a lot of evidence being stacked on him that he is guilty because there's no other evidence to say that somebody else killed her. And the siblings are split. Two children think that he it was possible that he killed her, Troy and Amy to some extent, I believe. Logan doesn't want to believe that his father's capable of that. Um, Brooke stands with her dad, she gets him a lawyer and whatnot. But slowly they all start to see that it is po- that the evidence is pointing to a possibility and it really just tests their faith in one another and the relationship starts to get really strained and then bounce back to when Savannah was staying with their parents slowly they started to learn a lot more about her so she had she once um, rattled off something she heard from television um, word for word and Logan happened to hear that same exact advertisement on child abuse on, not child abuse sorry on abuse woman uh, domestic violence domestic violence advertisement that is what it was and the same advertisement would feel with that the woman was speaking with a few minor changes that was what savannah had um said and i was at that point he started to you know really listen to his suspicions that something's wrong with this woman who just showed up with his parents and he shared it joy was adamantly trying to refuse it but after a couple more um is after after a couple more interactions and situations they realized that Savannah actually has she actually had a motive for choosing Joy and Stan's house that night and it's revealed that she's sort of a pathological liar, um, for lack of better words, but it actually isn't her fault. It's the fault of her childhood. And it's revealed that the reason she actually chose that house is because years ago when she was a little child, she and her um her parents split and she ended up with her mom and she was really good at ballet. 
at ballet and because of that she had to keep a certain figure she was starved a lot by her mother to maintain that so one day she went to collect her brother her brother's name was harry and she ended up at didelani's home now stan and joy at that time had opened their tennis academy and at the time of present day when joy is missing they had already sold it and they were trying to you know settle into retirement so anyway, so this little girl, emaciated, starving, she ends up there and at that point she meets each of the Delani siblings as well as Joy and they're all in a foul mood and they all end up um, treating her really badly and she mentions this to them now while she's in their house and they realize that they all actually met her before and they apologized really badly because she was like all she wanted was something to eat she was starving and it really puts into perspective how you can never really be sure how somebody's day is going and even if you're having a bad day you should still try to you know be understanding and not blow a fuse because you don't know what they're going through just like they don't know what you're going through so i thought that was a really nice perspective to put in the book however at the beginning you see that um the beginning shows some stranger um, taking up a bike. This bike belonged to Joy and there were apples on the road. So initially, I when I saw that and he got up, he put the bike into the trunk, whatever, and he continued on his merry way. But on his way home with the stolen bike, a semi-trailer rammed into his car and he died. So my thought process naturally was that she died. Somebody took her, etc., etc., and I was I was looking forward to you know going along with that plot. Turns out, and it was it's actually so um random, but turns out Joy is well and alive. She actually did go off the grid for a, with Savannah for a maturity event, because after Savannah reveals um that they know her, etc., etc. She does get her quote-unquote revenge because she reveals to Stan that his wife is the reason that Harry, who was one of his most, um, his most promising students, he re- she reveals to Stan that his wife is the reason that Harry dropped Stan as his coach and went across um, Australia to get another coach. And at that point, Joy Stan feels betrayed by his wife, and at that point things are rocky and that rockiness transcends up until when Joy ends up going missing, hence why Stan is such a person of suspect for the investigation. But Joy does end up popping back up, then she explains the situation, she feels pretty bad. Um, she actually did go, she went to this charity thing that Harry was actually um, hosting, I believe, and Savannah went as well and they both found a bit of closure from it to, to, you know, just be out there by themselves. And I thought that was cool as well. But again, I didn't see that process coming. I didn't think Joy was alive for the majority of the book. So it's kind of a letdown, but it, it was a good book still, regardless. And then you see that they work to patch it up. They acknowledge that they both made mistakes and whatnot. And yeah, I think it was pretty good. A lot of the um relationships were very complex, very interconnected. I appreciated that. As somebody who likes to pay attention to detail, I really appreciated that.
uh, oh, and the apples actually have a vein of um, connection throughout this entire book. So Stan's mother used to make an apple crumble and nobody could have ever figured out the secret recipe. And Joy, every time she men- mentions her mother-in-law, she mentions um, how much she disliked her because she always looked at her as if she was waiting for her to mess up. And even when she died, the woman never gave them the recipe for her apple crumble. And before Savannah reveals her intentions back when she was um, constantly cooking and taking care of Joy and Stan, she mentions that she'll, she's going to try to crack the code of the apple crumble. And, when jo- back, and then Joy returns, um, things are looking up, and Brooke opens her door to her physiotherapy centre. And when she comes back in, she finds an apple crumble and from the smell alone she realizes Savannah was able to crack the code of the apple crumble. So that is the symbolism there for the apples in um, Apples Never Fall. And I thought that was really, I thought it was cool how she kind of interwove it in, you know, something that's not, it's not a main point, but it's a point and it's a cool point to make. So definitely, it drank high on the mystery section. Trellum, not so much, but it was a cool mystery. I personally would have liked a bit more action, but I mean, it's not fantasy, chill or anything like that. It's just a normal contemporary um, mystery. So yeah, I think that if you like, if you're looking for a little tea mystery, with just a little more than average detail I think this book is for you so I believe that would be the end of my review and that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you for tuning in and if you feel so obliged give me a follow on Instagram at ttalkswithkudo you can find this podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music and Samsung Podcasts as well as the Acast platform if you have a book you'd like reviewed that you would like to review with me, feel free to DM me on Instagram at ttalkswithkudo or via my email at the same handle. Thanks for listening and see you next time.